Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We're in the fourth and final week of a series called Detox, and this series has been all about the removal of unhealthy toxic substances and impurities for a period of time in order to improve health. So we've taken about four weeks to make sure we're doing everything that we possibly can in this comeback season of our church to get the wrong things out and the right things in. And our theme verse for this series has been 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, and it says, let's make a clean break. In other words, let's detox with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit in holy temples for the worship of God. And so, and so throughout this entire series, we talked a lot about of practical detoxes that, that we could go through. And in week one, we talked about a mental detox, what it would look like to go through a mental detox. In week two, we talked about an emotional detox. And last week, we talked about a relational detox. And by the way, if you missed any of those messages, you can always catch up on our YouTube page and you can actually watch the messages um, now. And then also you can listen to our audio podcast that's both on Spotify and Apple. Uh, so you can catch up anytime. But this week, I'm so excited for this week. This week's going to be very practical. Uh, it's going to really help you tomorrow. And I, I love messages like this. I love messages that help because I, I, I mean, I, I love to be inspired. But I can tell you, I dream of a church where our Sundays always affect our Mondays. That we just don't come in and play church for an hour but that we really are equipped to be able to go live our lives different out here. Um, And so this week, we're gonna be ending this series by talking about this. Write this down if you're taking notes, post-detox. Post-detox. We're gonna talk about post-detox. Because a detox is not designed, it's not supposed to last forever. So what do we do after the detox? A few years ago, my lovely wife, Heather, uh, we've been married 16 years now, and I love her so much, and a few years ago, uh, she forced me to go on a 21-day sugar detox. I mean that that we in unity, as an incredible married couple, decided that we would go on this adventure together. Uh, But a 21-day sugar detox, and here's what you have to understand about me, uh, I love sugar. Uh, I, I, I love sugar. I have a sweet tooth. Does anybody in church have a sweet tooth? Um, I do. And so if you just raise your hand, let me just help you with something that you need to help me with. And amen this statement uh, because, come on, sweet tooth, we need to unite right now. Sugar cane, I don't know if you knew this, sugar cane is actually from the Lord. Uh, it is. It is from God. Uh, So I I really felt like this was kind of neglecting a part of what God has created. But uh, the point of this sugar detox was to really remove our dependency on sugar. And it was designed to change our habits and strengthen our self-control and our discipline. And really it was designed to set us up for long-term changes and long-term health and long-term growth. And that's exactly what it did. But thank the Lord Jesus that that detox did not last forever. 
How many of you know I went back to eating some sugar? In fact, our family values are number 10 on our family values is we eat cookies. So like for us, I was like, we are going back to eating some cookies, but in a much healthier, balanced way. And so the detox really did set us up for long-term success and growth. And that's exactly what I've been praying throughout this series. I've been praying that this series would set us up for a long-term health and growth. Because we have to understand this fact today. We have to understand that God wants us to grow. God wants me to grow. God wants you to grow. That is part of what God has designed us for. In fact, this church was built on the idea that God has more for your life. That with God, there's always more. And that's why you will hear us say over and over again this phrase, better and better. Because we believe that if you just keep following Jesus, it just keeps better and better. It never goes in reverse. So some of you, maybe you're in year one of following Jesus. Can I just encourage you, keep going, because it just keeps getting better. Some of you maybe are in decade two. I'm encouraging you, keep going, because it never goes in reverse. It just keeps getting better and better, and God has designed a life that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, whether you right now, maybe you're just getting started in this whole church God, Jesus thing. Maybe right now you're even questioning or maybe you're here and you've been doing this for a while. No matter where you are, there's always a next step. Always. Come on, how many of you know that none of us have arrived? We can always take next steps. God wants you to grow. And the Bible, it actually talks a lot about growth. And all throughout the Bible, cover to cover, you will see that God often uses this agricultural farming language to describe growth. So you'll read your Bible and you'll read about things and they'll start talking about things like trees and seeds and plants and fruit and vines and things like that. Let me show you some examples. Mark chapter four in verse 30, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? Well, let me think. How can I describe this whole thing called the kingdom of God? And this is what Jesus says. What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows along branches and birds can make nests in its shade. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus talking again gives this illustration. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So the Holy Spirit, God that lives on the inside of us, if you are a believer, it produces this type of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then in John chapter 15, I want you to listen for this agricultural kind of farming language. The first five verses, it's full of them. It says this, Jesus talking, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit 
so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So do you see all that agricultural and farming language in all those verses? And there's much more. So my question today is why? Why does God use this agricultural language to describe growth? And I think it's because it points to the fact that just like trees and plants and fruits, that real lasting growth It takes time. I think it's why the Bible keeps pointing to the things in nature. Because real, lasting growth takes time. It's a process that is so gradual that you hardly ever see it. And we see this in a lot of areas of life. Think about this. Think about like our hair. We never see it grow, but we know that it does. Because fellas, if you have short hair, every few weeks you need a fresh fade. And girls, some of you, you may dye your hair, and that's cool. That's awesome. But from time to time, if you wait long enough, you'll start seeing those roots. Can I get a good amen? You know, like my man, Michael Massey, right here in the front row, has got a glorious beard. It actually is one of the shortest I've seen in a hot minute. Um, And maybe it's because you got a girlfriend. You had to make that a little bit, oh my goodness. We can celebrate that, church. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. Praise God. He's cheering. Praising God. I just embarrassed you. I love you so much. What am I doing? I don't know. But he's got a big beard. And how many of you know that that took a while, even though he's so, so manly, it just, it just, but it's not like he sneezes, it just poofs out, you know? It takes a while because like real lasting growth, it takes some time. Same thing with our fingernails. We never see them grow. That would absolutely freak us out. That's actually in horror movies. It's like, whoa, you know. But every few weeks, you got to cut them bad boys. And I see this most in my kids. Um, you know, Heather and I, we have two boys, uh, Jordan, who's nine, and Caleb, who's six. And they're amazing. Look at those two young whippersnappers. They're amazing. And, um, now, they've obviously grown since they were babies. I see, I see amazing baby right there. And even that baby has grown since when she was born, right Tanner? And you know, there's, there's so many times where I, I've seen my kids and I, it's like obviously they've grown, but believe it or not, we've never actually seen them grow. It's not like one day at the, at the breakfast table, I'm like, Heather, Heather, quickly come get in here, Jordan's growing again. And it's like, whoa, you know. We'd probably rush them to the doctor if that was the case. But here's the thing. We can take them to the doorframe where we keep measuring him every few months and we'll see, Jordan, you grew again. That's amazing. And then people that maybe haven't seen him for a while. Maybe let's say during a six-month global pandemic when we were quarantined and staying at home and they see him 
And they're like, my goodness, your boys have grown so much. And I'm like, really? I don't see it. Because I see them every day in real lasting growth. They're not shrinking. Real lasting, it just takes time. And the same thing happens spiritually. And that's what we have to understand today. Is that the same exact thing happens spiritually. Real, lasting, spiritual growth, it takes time. It's so gradual that you can't hardly see it. But if you went to your doorframe spiritually, you would see, oh my goodness, I've grown. Have you ever experienced where you haven't seen somebody for a long time? And they see you and they're like, there's something different about you. And it's because, like my, and you're like, really? I don't see that. But it's like, you have grown because real, lasting, spiritual growth, it takes time. But I found that it's so easy to not like or to not want the process of real, lasting growth. See, I want the results of growth. I just don't want the process of growth. Anybody with me? Anybody's like, I, I would rather just let me have the benefits of that. I don't really want to go through the process of that because sometimes it's like, I just want it right now. I just want it immediately. Um, but here's the truth. That's not growing, that's swelling. And there's a massive difference between growing and swelling. See, I pray every single day for our church to grow. I do not pray for our church to swell because growing is healthy, but swelling is unhealthy. Growing lasts, but swelling doesn't last. It's like, it's like this. It's like your arms. Let's say we get done with this service and somebody that's here at Memorial Hall, maybe you're in the overflow and you start walking out and you start going down the steps of front of Memorial Hall and you accidentally trip and you fall and you hit your arm on the concrete outside. And within seconds, your arm just balloons up. Now, nobody is going to come up to you and be like, bro, what did you do to get such big arms so fast? Nobody's gonna admire that. But if you go to the gym and for 10 years, grab those dumbbells and like my boy Peyton right there, curls for the girls, if he goes and he does that, you develop some nice arms. Some people be like, man, what are you doing? Because we even understand that there's a massive difference between growing and swelling. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to swell. I want to grow. And it's so important for us to understand today. It's so important for us to get deep into our core today and accept this fact that there are no shortcuts to real lasting growth. There are none. There's no way to expedite it. There's no way to microwave it. There's no way to keep it going faster. There's no shortcuts to real lasting growth. Now, before we jump into the very practical part of this message, I truly believe that I need to take a moment to hit pause and make this very crystal clear. Because it's very easy to miss something that is so obvious right in front of our face that we got to get as followers of Jesus. Because God wants you to grow. There's no doubt about that. Write it down. That was the main point right at the beginning. God wants you to grow. No doubt. 
But his acceptance, his love, his forgiveness, and his grace is not dependent upon your growth. It's really important for you to get that today. It is not dependent upon your growth. Let me put it this way. That your salvation, you being right with God, is not up to you and your performance. It is solely up to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, it puts it this way. It says in verse 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. Sorry, you can't. It is not by you. It is by his grace. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And just like you don't deserve that gift you're going to get at Christmas or on your birthday, you don't deserve this one. It is a gift from God. Listen to this bomb. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. In other words, you are not saved by growth. You are saved by grace. But grace should lead to growth. See, we gotta understand that that order is very, very, very important. That order is vital for us to get. That it's not growth, okay, then I can get grace. That once I grow to a certain extent, then God will love me enough to give me some grace. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the order is grace, then growth. Let me put it this way. It is the difference between growth from grace and growth for grace. And so without making that clear, all this stuff is just self-help. And so we have to understand that you are not saved by growth, you are saved by grace. Okay, let me unpause and let's get to some very, very, very practical stuff. Um, John Maxwell is one of the world's most famous, respected leadership experts. He's a former pastor and he's written a ton of leadership books that are really, really good. I encourage you to go check them out. Uh, but he has a very practical growth strategy and principle called the Rule of Five. And the rule of five answers this question. What are five essential things I need to do every day to grow? So what are the five things that no matter the day, I need to do these five things in order to grow? Now the truth is there's a lot of things that you and I can do, but these are the five things I need to do every day. And I don't need to do these five things all day, I just need to make sure I do them every single day. And the whole idea is that once you find your rule of five, that when you start doing those consistently every single day over time, it will lead to real lasting growth. So you should take some time to think about and pray, God, what can be my rule of five? Now here is mine. Let me share mine and then we can get to the end and I'll challenge you with something, okay? Here's my rule of five. These are five things I wanna do every single day. I don't care the day, I don't do them all day, I just need to do them every day. Here's number one, I'm going to spend time with God. That is on my rule of five. I'm going to spend time with God because I've learned like every other relationship I have on planet earth, if I don't spend time with God, I'm not gonna be close to God. And I want to be close to God, so I'm gonna spend time with God. So every single day, I'm going to read my Bible. 
In other words, I'm going to read my Bible. In other words, I'm going to let him talk to me. And then I'm going to pray. And like the simplest version of prayer is that it's you talking to God. That every single day I'm going to spend some time in worship. That what I'm going to do is I'm going to prioritize him in my life. I'm going to put him in the exact order that he should go. I'm going to do that every single day. And by the way, it's not just these spiritual disciplines for me to check off, but it is a person to spend time with. It is a relationship to invest in. And so I'm not going to do that all day long. I don't got time to do that all day long. But I am going to do it every day. That is part of my rule of five. I'm going to spend time with God. Here's number two. I'm going to be thankful. Every single day, I'm going to find something to be thankful for, and I'm going to recognize it, and I'm going to say it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, always be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, be thankful, get this, in all circumstances. It doesn't say be thankful for all circumstances. It says be thankful in all circumstances. That no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what we're going through as a nation, that no matter what's happening, we can always find something to be thankful for. And what I found is that when I consistently make this a discipline in my life, it completely changes my perspective. It helps me see the good in life. It helps me recognize my blessings. It helps me understand these are all, man, there may be some things that are bad right now, but when I compare that to all the things I can be thankful for, it's not even close. I'm telling you, gratitude changes everything. So I'm gonna be thankful. Here's number three. I'm gonna love those closest to me. That is on my rule of five. I'm going to love those closest to me because I found that it is so easy to give those farthest from me the best of me and those that are closest to me the worst of me. But a few years ago, I'm telling you, God gave me conviction that I want to give those closest to me the best of me, not the worst of me. And so every single day, I'm gonna intentionally love those closest to me. I'm gonna love my wife. I'm gonna love my kids. I'm gonna love my family. I'm gonna love the team that God has put centered me around and the people that I'm close with in my life, my friends. Every single day, I'm going to love those closest to me. I'm gonna spend quality time with them. That I'm gonna, if I can't do that, I'm gonna make sure I tell them with my words that I love them every single day. I'm gonna love those closest to me. I don't gotta do it all day, but I'm gonna do it every day. Here's number four. Is this helping anybody? Here's number four. I'm going to encourage at least one person. Every day. I'm going to encourage at least one person. I've heard it said that encouragement is like oxygen to the soul. That encouragement is this. That was fun. How about everybody do that with me, okay? On the count of three, one, two, three. Encouragement is that to your soul. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the type of person that's a big old breath of fresh air to everybody that I come around. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11 says, so encourage each other and build each other up. Now that word encourage there in the original language, it means this to put courage into somebody else. 
That is the literal definition of encouragement. It's not that you just say something nice to somebody. It's that when you get to be a breath of fresh air and you encourage somebody, it literally takes courage and it puts it on the inside of them to be all that God's called them to be. And every single day, my rule of five, I'm going to encourage at least one person. Here's number five, last one. I'm going to take care of of myself. Every single day, I'm going to do something to take care of myself. Let me put it this way. I'm going to love myself enough to take care of myself, to invest into me. And here's a confession. This is really hard for me at times. Um, I think this goes against what I naturally think, especially when I decided to follow Jesus, because it's very easy to, to convince yourself that you should always, 100% of the time, always be about others, never about yourself. It's very easy to be like, no, like that's, that's wrong, that I shouldn't focus on myself. I should take care of others. I should not really worry about me. Like that's what God wants me to do. Um, like isn't taking care of me selfish? I've wrestled with this. But one of the biggest things and one of the best things I can do as a husband, one of the best things I can do as a father, one of the best things I can do as a friend One of the best things I can do as a leader, one of the best things that I can do as your pastor is to live my life in a way where I can do it for 30 years and, and still love ministry and still love the church and still love you and still love people and still love Jesus and still have fresh vision and still be excited each and every week. And, not, and, and be healthy and not have a moral failure. There's a lot of, there, there's a, there's, they're so good for me to be able to do this for a long time. And that's one of the best things that I know that I can do for you. So every day, I'm gonna make a decision to take care of myself. And that doesn't mean that, that, I, that I wanna be selfish. Absolutely not. I wanna be selfless. But, It's like whenever you fly, they tell you, put your mask on first before you help somebody else. And I I wanna be selfless, but not at the expense of myself to where I can't do it anymore. So I'm going to take care of myself. I'm gonna do something to take care of myself every single day, at least one thing. So I am going to have a day off and I'm gonna have a weekly Sabbath. I'm gonna say no to some things. I'm gonna every now and then put my phone down and be engaged with the people around me. I'm gonna gonna go work out. I'm gonna try to eat right most of the time. I'm gonna take some vitamins. I'm gonna watch some football. Come on, people. And we hear this buzzword all the time, self-care, self-care. Let me just tell you just a little bit different perspective. That's not self-care. That's good stewardship. It's it's taking care of what God has entrusted to you. And um, so every day, I'm gonna do these five things. Now that's my rule of five. These are the five things I'm gonna intentionally do every single day. I'm not gonna do them all day but I'm gonna do them every day. And over time, 
day after day, slowly but surely, they're going to lead to real lasting growth. So my question to you as we end this series is what needs to be your rule of five moving forward? As we go to a new series and a new topic, what needs to be the things you need to do every day? Take some time this week. Set aside some time to really pray and to think about that. Ask God, God, what should be my rule of five? And until you have yours, come on, church, use mine. I think they're pretty good. I think they'll lead to some growth. And if you do, if you commit to whether it's mine or God gives you your own, I commit to it. I promise you, you'll grow. Over time, you'll go to that door frame spiritually and you'll just be a little bit taller. Now, as you think and as you pray about what your rule of five needs to be this week, I encourage you to make sure that my number one on my list is at least somewhere on your list. Let me encourage you as your pastor to do whatever you can do to make sure every single day you spend time with God because you were designed by God to have relationship with God. I promise you, God designed you in such a way for you to have a real, lasting, consistent, close relationship with God. And there will always be something missing in your life until you have that. And so today, we wanna end our service by spending some intentional time with God. I don't know about you, but life can be so busy. It can be so crazy sometimes. And even by the time we get into church, it can be so hectic and so crazy. And it takes me 30 minutes to get like actually focused on God. And so we kind of switch things up today because we wanted to create some intentional time for you to spend some quality time with God, for you to focus exclusively on God. And I know that there's so many things that we got to get to as soon as we're done. I get it. I know. But I'm telling you, we can set those aside for just a few minutes and say, God, I want to connect with you. I promise you, you were designed to connect with him. And so we're setting things aside, removing all distractions and intentionally trying to experience the presence and the power of God. But before we do that, before we spend time with God, We want to make sure we give you the opportunity. We do this every week because it's so important. Before we spend time with God, we want to make sure that your relationship with God is where it needs to be so that it doesn't feel foreign. And so I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe you find yourself here at church today. Maybe you're watching online or you're in an overflow room and you feel far from God. You just feel far away. And you'd say, Pastor Brian, I I don't have a relationship with God. I never have had a relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you have had a relationship with God before in the past, but right now you find yourself and, and you feel so far from God and you feel like you need a fresh start. Here's the great news today. That can change right here and right now. And we're not gonna point you out We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. In fact, everybody's eyes are closed and everybody's heads bowed for a reason so that you can connect with God. All I wanna do is lead you in a simple prayer. 
that if you're here and you're like, I need to start a relationship with God, or I need to restart a relationship with God. I'm far away, but I need to come close. Before we spend time worshiping God, I wanna be close to God. I wanna lead you in a prayer. And in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand if that's what you know that you need to do today. And on the count of three, if that's you, and you wanna be included in that prayer, I just want you to put your hand just quickly up and say, that's me, include me in that prayer. One, two, three, just put it up and say, that's me. I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. It's great, it's awesome. Anybody else, anybody else? Come on, that's you, I got you, it's cool. Got you, it's great, got you. It's awesome, you can put your hands down and just right where you're at, just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. I just don't want you, I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Do what I can't do and will you change me? And will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you my life, everything. And today and for the rest of my life, I choose to follow you. We thank you so much for Jesus. That it's all about grace, not just growth. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 